but it is remembering a true historical event. You know, one time when I was doing a series on the resurrection, one thing that fired me up, because, you know, they, people say Christianity is, is just, um, you know, it's not just another religion. You know, um, you don't use any brains, you just use faith, that kind of thing. But as I was studying, I was a youth pastor at the time, and I really got into apologetics. Um, Josh McDowell was one of my favorites. And um, one thing I realized is that just using logic, okay, turn faith off for a second, just using logic, Christianity is the most logical faith there is. Because you got a savior, uh, a leader of a, of a new religion, so to speak, who was not only just a good man and had all these wonderful things to say, but he was the only one that said he was God. See, all the other ones say, I will follow me and I will lead you to God. But Jesus took it a step further and said, I am God. And he said, I will prove it. And when he said that, when Jesus said, I am God, not just I will lead you to God, he separated himself from all the other religious leaders. And he didn't give us the opportunity to say, Jesus is just a good man. See, many people will say, I believe in Jesus. I believe he was a historical figure. I mean, nobody can deny that. He was definitely here. And they'll say, but I believe he was just a good man. And then they think they can just rest with that. But I like to mess people up. When I hear that they think he was just a good man. I remember doing this at Conoco gas station on a corner of Jardo and Six one day. I was in one of those moods. I got my gas and I was talking to this guy and I, I can't remember what I said, but I said something about Jesus. Hey, what do you think about Jesus, the clerk? And, and then he gave me that and I was surprised that he actually said that. He said, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe he was a good man. Like, oh, you wanted him, huh? And I said, well, you, do you realize that Jesus actually doesn't give us that uh, option? There's three options we have when it comes to Jesus. He was either a liar. That he said some incredible things, and he knew he was lying, but he just wanted people to follow him. Okay, so he was just lying about all that, lying about being God, lying about all this stuff. Or... He was a lunatic. He actually believed he was God. He actually believed all the stuff he was saying. I mean, how many know that there are people like that? That they believe some crazy things about themselves and they're kind of, you know, we lock them up or we, you know. So Jesus was either a liar, he was an intentionally deceiving people, or he was a lunatic. He was messed up and was deceived himself, or he was Lord. Those are the only three options. Good man, it doesn't fit in there. Because he said, I am God. I am God. So how can he be a good man if he wasn't? You see what I mean? That's one thing. And the other thing, when I was doing some research and reading, I learned this thing that the resurrection... Or let me say this, you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our faith stands or falls on that one event, the resurrection. If the resurrection didn't happen, then we are all fools 
and we're wasting our time. And we should have been sleeping in. But the fact that the resurrection, we believe in a resurrection, and check this out. There is more historical or there's more evidence pertaining to the resurrection of Jesus Christ than any other event in history. Let me say that one more time. There is more evidence pertaining to the resurrection of Jesus Christ than any other historical event. Check this out. There's a thing called the Bible. All the religions have their holy books, right? They have the, you know, follow this book, you know, help you live a good life, help you to please and follow God and that kind of thing. Do you realize that the Bible is the only holy book that is prophetic and that has been 100% accurate up to this point? Can you think of any other holy books that have that credential? None. So the Bible isn't just a bunch of good stuff that some men wrote down, some nice sayings, but it is prophetic. In other words, it predicts the future. It has predicted the future, and it continues to predict the future. And to this point, it has been 100% accurate. Isn't that interesting? There's no other holy book out there that can stand that test. Remember, just logic. Hold on to your faith, just logic. So if you just think of these things, God made it easy for us to believe in his son. He presented his son. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Believe in him. You're good. He is the way to me. One more, one more nugget that I find fascinating. You know, Jesus predicted. He came. The Bible said Jesus, the Messiah, will fulfill all of these, these things. It's predicted where he would be born. It predicted to what family he'd be born into. It predicted where he would, how he would die. And the way he was to be killed, hadn't, that way hadn't even been invented yet. It predicted that he was going to be betrayed by a friend with 30 pieces of silver. Not 30 pieces of gold or not 29 pieces or whatever. All these predictions. And Jesus I believe it's indirectly fulfilled over 300 prophecies. 300 prophecies. In other words, because people say, well, Jesus could have done that by coincidence. Coincidence. In other words, he comes along, he's born, he dies, he does all that, and then you look at the Bible and says, hey, this dude matches all this stuff. People, some people actually believe that. That actually takes more faith to believe that than reality. And if I'm, I'm going to try to remember some of the statistics, the numbers, but to, you know, a person can accidentally or coincidentally maybe fulfill two or three prophetic things about them, but to fulfill eight of them, the chance of that is, I remember the number right, it's one times 10 to the 157th power. That's one times 10 and then 157 zeros after it. A one in that number chance of Jesus coincidentally fulfilling eight prophecies. And he's fulfilled over 300. I wonder what that number would be. Now, why am I saying all this? God made it easy. 
He made it easy for us to believe. He didn't make it difficult. He wasn't trying to hide anything. But he said, here's my son. For God so loved the world that he gave his son and he didn't hide him. He said, boom, here's my son. And here's proof of his, that he's mine. And then Jesus said all these incredible things, lived this life. Then he died and was resurrected. And the resurrection is what seals everything. So if you, if you line up, the reason why I say it, it's the most logical, because if you line up all the religions, and I don't even know all of them, but just a few that I know about, and you just make a decision based on logic, which one makes more sense? Christianity, boom. It's like stands alone. Because God was want to, wanting to make it simple for us to believe in his son so that we, all, we can all be with him, have a relationship with him, not when we die only, but now. Now. Amen? Uh, by the way, in case you guys don't recognize who I am, my name is CJ. I'm wearing a suit disguise, so I know it's really me. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't an imposter up here. But my name is CJ, and I'm a senior pastor here at New Covenant, and we're so glad that you came to worship with us and to celebrate Resurrection Sunday with us. We are so glad that you are here, and we just trust in our prayers that the Lord will not only bless you, but continue to bless you. So if you haven't been blessed yet, we hope you have, but if you haven't been, it ain't over yet, all right? And so we just know he's good all the time, and he wants good things for his kids. That would be me and you. And we have a team of folks that went to Mexico a few weeks ago. They went to, they went to Huachinera, Mexico. Did I say that kind of close to right? Maybe. Anyway, they went and they had a great time. And so we're going to give them the opportunity to share with us about the incredible time that they have. Where's Daniel at? Okay. Well, Daniel and your team, come on up. Let's give these guys a hand. Okay, so we went to Washington, Mexico, and it was a good trip. So I'm going to let these guys kind of share a little bit about what they experienced, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. So let's go first. Hello. My name is Joseph Ellis, and um, I was a privilege to be able to go on this trip to Mexico. Um, one, uh, I was able to, I, I told God if he wanted me to go on this trip, that I asked him to provide for me. And he provided. It was awesome. Yeah. So um, one thing that really stuck out to me was uh, we were playing with the kids, and they didn't, not all of them knew English. And, uh, but we were able to reach out to them and, and play with them and love on them. And then um, I feel like the Lord was showing me is like whenever with his, like there, there may be um, a hindrance and belt to translate uh, English to Spanish sometimes, but there is never a hindrance to show love to other people. And no matter uh, what nation you're from or whatever, you can always show love. And um, yeah, that's one thing that really stuck out to me. Um, for me, this was my first time to take a child of my own with me on a mission trip. I was really excited to have my daughter Rachel go with me. Um, but also, I, I really believe God handpicked our team, 
it was pretty obvious because who was on the list changed on a daily basis for the entire time that Daniel was working on trying to coordinate the trip. And so Friday morning we showed up and said, oh, this must be the group. <laughs> um, but I, I really think um, it was really cool to me to see that everything, um, everything God does he is one God, and we are his people. It is one one people in, in him. Um, and my grammar's really bad. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but basically, I saw the picture of us being sewn together, and it was really exciting for me. Um, it started out in what seemed like just a coincidental um, prophetic thing that my daughter had a backpack with her that needed mending. And so right before we crossed the border, I grabbed a sewing kit and thought I'd stitch it up. And she said, hey, mom, can I learn? I said, sure. So we handed her the sewing kit, and she not only got to um, sew up her backpack, but she also got to do some sewing for some of the other kids' stuffed animals as we got there in Mexico. But I saw that really God was weaving us together and sewing us together as a people Um Two quick examples for me were, um, I like to rely upon my words, and I do have some fluency in Spanish, um, but not enough of technical vocabulary when you're trying to pray for somebody specifically. So I thought, hmm, God, how are you going to handle this? And after Sunday morning when Daniel preached, um, he had us pray for members of the congregation, and one lady stood out from the crowd as far as who was waiting and I just gravitated towards her, and I had to trust that God was going to give me exactly what to pray for her, and he did, and it was confirmed through our very proficient translator, um, Cindy Munoz, who's not here today, Um, but it, it really helped me see that God was weaving us together with or without our intellect. It really was, like Joseph said, um, being sewn together by the Spirit of God, and everything was born of the Spirit of God, The just the the things there. I think the other thing was just realizing that um, whether we were uh, passing bricks or whether we were hoeing a garden, everything had a had a piece to play, and just really weaving us together as a team and growing us together. And uh, lastly, uh, the fact that um, God is so specific in how He assigns each of us our own realm of influence. I thought it was really cool that one girl that my daughter was really drawn in particular to, and she hit it off really close as friends with that girl, and they couldn't speak the same language as each other, but they had a blast all week long. And unbeknownst to me, her grandma is who I was praying for that morning, Sunday morning, and unbeknownst to me, at lunchtime, the one woman that I felt like I need to sit across the table from and just enjoy fellowship with um, was the mom of the little girl. So I, we got connected to three generations of one family, and God, I believe, did that on purpose. Hi, guys. I don't really like talking in front of people, so here it goes. Um, One thing that really stood out to me was that Heidi and Conrad really do, they give all their lives to um, share the gospel with everyone that lives in the villages. They spent the majority of the time while we were there riding around to the different villages to pick up people for the church services that we had. And Every time we had a different church service, they would go to all the villages and bring all the villages to that one church service. They spend a lot, the majority of their time sometimes just bringing people to the church services, and then they put on the church services too. They, they really do. They lay down their lives for those people. And while we were there, they ate maybe 50% of their meals with the church villages, 
And I asked Heidi about that, if they normally did that, and she said, yeah, because we're trying to teach the villages that we're a family and we're not just a church and you come and you leave. Um, they really want to teach all the people there that they're a family and that they take care of each other, and I could really see um, that they're doing a good job of that. I have fun with my friends, Max and Emma. And we had a pajama party where we played games. I don't know if they're up yet, but you'll see pictures of the games from the pajama party, and that was one of her favorites. The Lord showed me that there was... It was a Monday night, and we were praying for everyone out in the open. And uh, there was one couple that the Lord just had me drawn to, and it was a young man and his wife. So I went over there, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and just showed me that young man's heart. And then he also said, see, they're holding hands. A man is up front, and he has such an humble spirit, and he's holding his wife's hand. That doesn't happen in Mexico. You don't see men up front with such an humble and loving passion for the Lord, let alone holding his wife's hand. And the Lord said, I want you to pray for them, and then I want you to pray that the Lord will bring more godly men who have a heart and a passion for me. That we need, they need couples. Heidi and Conrad need couples. And the Lord showed me, this is a miracle that you're witnessing, that this young man is here with his wife holding her hand. That, that just really stood out to me and how precious that was. And then as I spoke to him, I just realized how much he loved the Lord. And his, his heart towards the Lord was so wonderful and so full of God. And I thought, wow, Lord, this is a miracle that we're seeing a man standing with his wife, being a couple, and he's not ashamed He's not Mr. I've got to be Mr. Macho, Macho Man. Like so many men in Mexico, that's, that's their attitude, Macho Man. But no, that is a heart that's passionate for God and a passion for his wife and his family and that they, the Lord is going to raise up more men of God. He said, this is the beginning, Paula. And he said, I want all of New Covenant to pray. Could continue praying for this, then the Lord will raise up more men and couples for the Lord to come alongside Conrad and Heidi. So Daniel and I, you know, this was our first opportunity to really um, lead something um, this in, in this type of style. It was quite the learning experience, but it was really good. Um, but I just kind of want to overview you know, what, what God did there. Um, when we first got there, it was, we, we could see just how much God has done through Con- Heidi and Conrad. Um, 
the blessings they've put on their life and their land and in the communities in that in that area. And, um, you know, most of the little villages that we went to, they were founded in 1640. So before the U.S. was even like a thought. Okay. I mean, old, old, old. So you guys could understand the amount of tradition that is just solidified into these communities. And like Paula was sharing, you know, at the, at the end of our time, we sat down and, um, just kind of had a, a, a general recap with Conrad and Heidi and said, look, what do you guys need prayer for? What do you guys need help in? And they said, first of all, financially, they need provision financially um, because, you know, they're, they're able to get by, but there are things that add up and add up and add up, um, and they need, they need more support, um, which they are, they are getting support, but, you know, just the, the amount of, of things that they have to do on a daily basis, a weekly basis is crazy. I don't, I mean, it is truly only by the grace of God that they're not like burned out. It's amazing. Every single day they're doing something for these communities. Um, secondly, like Paula said already, they need men to rise up because this tradition that is so solidified in, into these communities, these men, basically all they do is I mean, they do a lot. They work really hard. You know, they're out in the fields all day. The, the thing that all the men that there do is they produce cattle or they work for someone that produces cattle. And they, they don't, they're not involved with their children's lives. They're not involved with their community. They're not involved with the church that their wives go to. They think it's not something that's important for them. And they, I mean, every single service you go and 90% of the people there are women with children. And there, it's like, where are the husbands? They're, they weren't there. So they need these men to be impacted. They need these men to have an experience with God. So that's something that we need to be praying for them for. Um, and then lastly, just, um, you know, Heidi and Conrad, they, they need, um, they just need our support and our love. And they need to know that, um, we, we are supporting them in what they're doing because what they're doing is really important because there's no one else that's out there doing this. I mean, there's no one. Before they got there six years ago, there were no churches in any of these villages. All of the villages that have churches um, were started by Conrad and Heidi. And so uh, God has them there for a purpose and for a reason. And let's just rally behind them because they, what they're doing is is awesome and it's exciting. Um, and then just kind of what God taught me while I was there. So, I mean, you can totally... Think of me as someone I, I can justify things in my mind all the time. And like this, what this, um, trip was on the last week of this vacation period I have during this last year of vet school. And like, I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't really want to go. And I would rather sit at home and like be lazy and not drive for two days there and back. Oh my gosh, you know, and, um, so I went through this process of getting my passport because I needed my passport card to get into Mexico and get back into the U.S. And so all this stuff happened to where I was like, it was the last week. I still didn't have it. And I had applied for it weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. And so I, that Monday, I called the passport people and I'm like, hey, where's my passport? And they're like, well, um, you know, we don't really know. Like, it's in processing, and it probably is not going to get to you. Like, when are you traveling? I'm like, uh, Friday. And they're like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you can check the internet, but that's pretty much all we can tell you. And I was like, okay, great. So, you know, I'm like, in my head and in my heart, I'm like, okay, well, God, I guess, I guess if my passport shows up on Thursday, I'm supposed to go. Thursday morning, I, 
And, oh, and I get this email, and they're like, your passport should be shipped on March 15th, which we left on, what, March 13th? <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. So Thursday morning, go out to my mailbox, and there's my passport. <laughs> so it was like, God was like, you're supposed to go on this thing. And there's so I wish I could share with you guys more of what God taught me. But I mean, God did so much through this trip. And I mean, not only to get to minister to these people, but God ministered to me. Like he cares about us individually and specifically. And he showed me so much. Like there are so many times, you know, that we can go along in our life and we're like, oh, I don't know, is God really real? But he, when he does something specific and like 10 things in a row specifically for us and takes us through this process that like completely reforms where our mind is and where our heart is and where our soul is. You're like, and then in the end has this amazing plan for you. You're like, wow. Okay, God, you real. I cannot deny it anymore. And so, um, that really, God just ministered me so much. And, um, I just can't wait to do more of these. I can't wait. Wind under the weather. So she called me this morning and said, would I give her testimony? And Lapita is Conrad and Heidi's secretary. She kind of handles their books and stuff like that, helps Heidi out. And uh, when we were praying Monday night, she kept looking for Lapita because God told her to pray for Lapita. And she looked and looked and looked, and Lapita wasn't there. And so then... We were getting ready to board our bus and go back to to a house. And, and someone said, no, we're going to go to Lapita's house and pray for her because she's been really ill. And we want the group to pray. And that's when Gwen said, yeah, yeah, I got that word. I got that word. So she got to pray for Lapita. And she was so blessed. And Lapita was definitely blessed. And her husband their family was very blessed that we came and prayed for them. Okay, so I'm pretty sure we're way over our time already, but <laughs> I'm just going to share what I felt is on my heart that God wanted me to share. And uh, first of all, I got to say that our team was awesome. It was, it was such a blessing. Everyone worked so hard, and they were so giving and loving to everybody. It was just it was a blessing to us as leaders to have this team. And like Holly said, it was literally the Thursday Thursday night before we left on Friday, we didn't know who was going for sure. And so it was, it was, it was very interesting. <laughs> but so for me, I'm going to share something, a different aspect to our trip than everybody did. Like for me, the trip was very, it was awesome in so many ways, but for me, it was so hard. Like God, for whatever reason, decided to really work on my heart and it really, he brought some stuff up. And so all these things happened that were bringing up these old wounds to where like it was just it became so overwhelming that one night like I was just like bawling to Joanna because like I just felt so hurt and like all these things were bringing up and I didn't know what was going on but like it was just it was crazy because like for the past several years like when I get hurt I would just get I would get mad and like that's how I dealt with it but this time like I just like it was such a deep wound, like all these wounds from when I was a child of not being good enough and that you're not going to make it, you're not going to be chosen, like all these things that were told to me that like were just basically lies. 
And so, but before we left, Greg was preaching on the identity of stuff. And whenever he preached that first time, it just like my heart took hold. I was like, this, this is what I've needed. This is the foundation that I've been looking for in my life. And so I was like, okay, no matter what, I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to go after this. I feel like it had the power to change my life. And so when I was down there, like all the stuff was coming up, I just, I just kept reminding myself over and over and over again that like, I am spirit first and I am the child of God and that I am chosen and this is who I am. And even though I have all these emotions that are going on, that it, it doesn't define who I am. And so the whole trip was, it was good and hard. And then when we got back to the States, like I just felt so lost and so stuck and I didn't know what it was. Like I was struggling with these things that I struggled for, that I struggled with in my past. Like they were just like temptation after temptation, like, and it was just, it was so hard, and I just felt stuck, and I still kind of feel stuck in a lot of ways, but uh, I just, I just felt like I was supposed to stay true and put to test the identity issue, like, do I believe this or do I not? And even through these past couple weeks of being back, like, it has been so hard, but the fact that I've realized that my identity is in Christ, and that no matter what I do, no matter how bad I screw up, no matter if I screw up over and over and over again, it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change, it doesn't change how God sees me. He sees me for his beloved child that he sent his son for me. And so it, I just feel like I was supposed to, if you guys are like on the fence about this identity stuff, like if you're like, eh, it may work, it may not work, or it's a load of crap, or whatever you think about it, like I want, I want to encourage you guys that this literally has the power to change your life. Like, even if my life keeps getting worse and worse and worse, like my life is so much better because I know who I am. I know who my identity is and like, and nothing can change that. And so my whole life, I've been an emotional wreck. Like if I'm doing good, man, I'm, I'm loving life. But then sure enough, I start going downhill and my life starts to crash. And like my old lifestyle would be like, well, I would withdraw from everybody and I'd push away and I would just like live in this like Sad place was like, man, I'm a screw up. God hates me. I'm not worthy of this stuff. But knowing my identity is like, it doesn't matter if I'm down there. Like, I know where I'm at. And my God loves me this, the same whether I'm doing awesome or I'm doing terrible. And so I just, I just want to encourage everybody, man, hold on to this identity. Like, seek it out. Like, see if it's true. And even if you think it is crap, like I said, just try it. Just give it a test. And I promise it has the power to change your life. And so... One thing I appreciate about our body here is we give opportunity uh, for you to take short-term mission trips, affordable short-term mission trips. And we do, uh, believe, you know, twice a year at least. Um, They went to Wachineta last year. We went to um, Chiapas. And I believe this year, later on, there's there's a possibility of a team going to Chiapas again. But I want to encourage you, and I know Ken's been talking about going to Puerto Penasco again. So we have a wonderful uh, family, people that we connect to that, that are serving full-time on the field in Mexico. Um, and so we just want to go down and just support them, love on them, and serve along with them. Not go down there so we can be pampered and babysat, but go and serve with them. So I want to encourage you to take an opportunity when they come up. Take the opportunity to go and let your life be changed as you serve God's kingdom. And uh, how many of you, is there anybody here who's never left the United States before? Anybody? Raise your hand. If you've never been outside the United States. 
Okay. If you guys get the opportunity, which you will, if you continue to come here, I would really recommend you going on these trips because they are life transforming, especially if you've never been outside the United States. When we used to take our youth group uh, and our youth had never gone outside the United States and then we take them across the border, it's like going back in time. I mean, it's just a totally, it's hard to explain unless you've been there, right? Those of you who have been overseas or across the border, but it's amazing what God will do and can do in your life. Um, we can change things up a little bit. Uh, those of you who are uh, part of our church family who have been here, you know we've been going through a, sin- a series called Identity. We will continue that next week. Um, as I know, if I, li- if I unleash Cornell, we might be here till 2 o'clock because the brother's got preach in him. Amen? He's got some serious preach in him. And, and how many of you guys have pr- appreciated what the brothers have been doing so far at this Identity series? I want to encourage you, if you have not been able to hear all of, this, of the series so far, or even if you have, you can, uh, you can go on the website, NCF, or I don't even know our website address. Any, go to our website, and, um, and you can, yeah, whatever they're saying, that's what it is. You can go on our website and, and listen to or download the messages, and they will definitely encourage, encourage, uh, and challenge your life. Like Daniel was saying, uh, how it's really challenged him and making an impact in his life. You know, it's funny. I was over his house the other night and he was asking me, he says, Hey, have you been hearing any feedback about the series about people being confused or or whatever? And I was like, man, what is he getting at? I thought he was going to tell me, man, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This is confusing me. And I said, well, actually the only feedback I've been getting so far, has been, been pretty positive. It's been impacting people's lives. They've been encouraged by it. And then he unleashed on me how it's made an impact in his life. And so that was very encouraging to hear. And we believe the reason why we're doing this series, one, because we believe this is what the Lord told us to do, and two, because we believe it's the foundational message. You know, when Greg talks about our righteousness, who we are in Christ, Cornell's been talking about our identity, who we are. When we get a hold of that message, when we see who we are, then what we do will change. We spend so much time trying to fix what we do. And we have no clue as to who we are, and things get all messed up. But when we know who we are, what we do will change. Amen? And there's one thing I want to I close with, that one of the stories, those of you who have been here have heard this, that Greg painted a beautiful picture of the prodigal son and the father. The story, it's in, in Luke chapter 15, I believe. Is that right? Luke 15, uh, the prodigal son. And... Those of you, many of you know the story. The young man told, went to his father, the youngest son, and said, I want my inheritance. Give me what's mine. The father graciously gave it to him. And the son went away and spent his money on wild and loose living. And then the famine came. His money was gone. He was starving and realized, you know what? If I go home, I'm not worthy to be his son anymore, but I can at least be a servant because the servants that my dad, my dad have are doing a whole lot better than I am. So he thought, if I can just go and be a servant to my father. He knew how good his dad was, so he thought, if I can just serve him, I'll be good. And the Bible says when he was a long ways off, the father saw him and said, oh, it's that kid, and went back in the house and closed the door. Is that what your word says? When he saw him from afar off, it says the father ran. Isn't that awesome? 
He ran, and check this out. When Jesus, his intent, I believe, of sharing this story was to paint a picture of what the Father is like towards us. Because he was sharing examples. He shared the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then he builds the big one, the lost son. And was trying to give us a picture of what the Father's heart is towards his kids. And so when you read that story, and I challenge every single one of you to go and read that story again. And see it through a different lens. The father saw his son from afar off, which means to me that the father every day went on a porch and was looking for his son. He was looking to go outside and look and was looking. And he was probably looking in a certain direction because he knew if his son came home, he would come, you know, up the path through the, you know, through the um, driveway or whatever. So he was looking in that direction. And so when the son came over the hill, the father saw him from afar off because he was looking for him. And he didn't wait for the son with his sorry self to get all the way home. He ran to him. And then when he runs and he tackles him with kisses and hugs. Now remember, he was feeding pigs, taking care of pigs. And I'm, I'm believing this is a Jewish family. I'm just, I think it is. It's a Jewish family. And so like the lowest of the lows, because Jews and pigs don't mix Right? And so they, it got, his life got so bad that he was feeding and taking care of pigs. So he probably smelled like a few of them. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not like he was on his way home and he said, you know what, I'll stop by the Hilton, take a quick shower, freshen up a bit before I go home and see my dad. He was stinky, sme- smelly, sweaty, coming. And so when it, and his hair all matted and nasty and all that kind of stuff, and his father didn't say, ooh, son, get in the house and take a shower. He grabbed him, fell on him, and kissed him and hugged him. So in yours and my stink, God will grab a hold of us and love on us. He doesn't wait until we get all cleaned up and all fixed up and look all good. Come to church on Easter Sunday looking all pretty. And you guys look pretty, by the way. But he doesn't wait until we do all that stuff before we're good enough to come to him. He's waiting for us to turn towards him and come home. And he comes after us. He kissed the son. He hugged the son. And then the son started his speech. Dad, I know I'm a jerk. I messed up. And I don't deserve to be your son. But if I can just be a servant. You know what the father did? He didn't say, you know, you know, you're right. Not only do you stink, but you, you stunk it up. The father was so rude that he wasn't even paying attention to his son. Totally ignored him. It's like, because when the son is saying this stuff, he's saying, hey, 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 go get the robe. Go get the shoes. Go get the ring for my son. He's ignoring his son. And I appreciate what Greg brought out. The son was sin conscience. The father was relationship conscience. See, the sin said, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. The father says, my son has come home. So regardless of what you've done, and you know what you did, and he knows what you did. Do you think the father didn't have a clue what his son was doing? He knew exactly. Because the big brother did, remember? When, his big, when the father was talking to the big brother, and then the brother, who's having attitude and everything, says, your son who spent all his money on loose living. The father and son knew exactly what the... 
Because they probably knew what kind of a character he was. God knows, folks. God knows exactly what you've been doing. He knows exactly what's in your heart. He knows the junk, the muck, all that stuff. And guess what? He still wants to wrap his big old arms around you and squeeze you and and give you kisses and, and say, you're my son, you're my daughter. I know you've messed up, but I've paid for that mess up. I shed my blood so that you can be whole. My son took judgment so you could be forgiven. And he restored the relationship. He restored his authority by giving him the ring, the, the robe of uh, reminding and everybody else seeing who he is. Oh, yeah, this is his son. The servants all knew that the kid messed up. But when they saw him wearing that robe and that ring on his finger, they knew that he was in charge again. So when you've messed up and done all that stuff, all it requires is for you to turn. Repentance is turn back to him and he will restore. The Bible says if you confess your sins and take a bath and clean up and live perfectly and don't mess up again, that's not true. When you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you. You can't clean yourself up. That's his job. He cleans, cleans us up. And what just fires me up about that story, I used to always focus on the prodigal, the son, the son, the son, which represents us. But man, our daddy is awesome. He is awesome, isn't he? That's why we sing that song, he's a good, good father. That's who you are. It's just who you are. God, that's just who you are. You're a good, good father. And we're loved by him, that's who I am. Who are you? Loved by him. Oh yeah, I knew that. So here's what I want to encourage you with, and we will continue the series coming to the final stretch this last month. This month, April, we will complete the series. We still got some more good stuff to share. But just embrace and understand who you are. If you are born again, you've given your life to Jesus. You are no longer just human. So don't say, I'm just human. Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. That's not even true. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you can no longer say, I'm just human. You're a brand new species, a new creation. Amen? I want you to grab a hold of that. And there may be some of you who've been thinking, you know what? This is good stuff, but I feel like the prodigal son. I've been doing my own thing. It's been crazy. It's been dumb. It's whatever. But you say, you know, it's time for me to recommit to him. It's time for me to quit playing games. And to come to the one who's really worth it all. I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me as we close out. And I'm not going to ask for the ministry team to come up. But I'm just going to, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit is already speaking to your hearts. I just want to give you the opportunity to come home. And you know what that means in your heart. It could be decisions. You know, a decision that you've been walking with the Lord, you're walking with him right now, but there's a decision that you've been struggling with. He's saying, I want you to do this. And you're like, I don't want to, I can't or whatever. 
I'm not saying you're, you're saying, okay, God, I'm making that decision. But what you're going to do is you're going to come and say, God, I'm committing to you. Because when you commit to him and not the decision, then you can trust that he will give you the grace to make any decision you need to make. So the decision I'm encouraging you with, wherever you're standing, if this applies to you, I want you to come forward. You're saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm submitting, committing to you. Whether, whether this is your first time or whether it's your 101st time, just do it one more time. Amen? So if you just want to come up to him, and you're not coming to me, you're not coming to any ministry team, you're just coming up here representing, you're coming to the Father, and just begin to talk to him. I just want to open the altar, and you're welcome. So Father, we do thank you for your goodness. We just thank you for reminding reminding us that again today. You're so good all the time. We thank you that we can draw closer to you. Lord, and when we mess up, when we sin, when we fall into the pit, when we jump into the pit intentionally, all we have to do is turn back to you, Father. And I just thank you for what you've done today, for the deliverances, for the healings that have happened today, for the bondages being broken off, for mindsets changing, paradigms shifting today because of your love for us. We thank you for your goodness. Again, we're just so excited about Resurrection Sunday, Father. And we're reminded that you are alive, Jesus. We give you honor and praise. And Father, I just thank you for and just speak the blessing of God on every person here, every family represented here. We thank you for your goodness. And I just pray for a tangible manifestation of your love this week for everyone here, everyone in this building. In the name of Jesus, amen. I just want to encourage you. I know many of you are going to be going to covenant groups tonight. Um, if you receive the testimony, if you receive some kind of a healing, make sure you share that. If you got prayed for a situation that you're taking medication and you're under a doctor's care, I would encourage you to, to go see your doctor as soon as you can to see if the circumstances have changed. And when you find out that they have, please let us know. Amen. Amen. Let's expect miracles that the Lord promises to his kids. Let's not expect the unanswered prayer, but let's expect the miracles that he wants. You guys have a wonderful day with your family and have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. God bless you.